you know, fundamentals, the first three letters are fun. It's fun, duh, mental. You know, so everybody, so everybody keeps laughing about that. But you know, you guys are bringing, so many of these. yeah, you guys are bringing joy to the game. Do you have a book? And welcome back, welcome aboard another part train. We're live from the PGA show. Before we get to that, guys, in case you're new, Golf games off the rails, sick of riding the struggle bus, you come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Tour pros, best selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists. We had two of them today. Yes, we did. And more. Everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the part train, like every episode, is presented by Roback Activewear. Go to rollback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off. If the code doesn't work, it's because you've probably already used it. You need to find another email, do what you need to do, get yourself something nice. You deserve it. I'm wearing the joggers and a hoodie right now. Serm's wearing a long sleeve tee and a vest right now. It's basically our uniform. So go to rollback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off, or go to our bio at the par train on Instagram. Tap that link, it'll auto-apply in your cart. Okay, I don't even know where to start with this episode, previewing this episode we're about to share. But the first thing we should probably caveat is we did this live at the PGA show, originally planned for Rick Sessinghouse, Colin Morikawa's longtime coach, swing coach, mental performance coach. And this was his third time on the show. And look, there's not a lot of places at the PGA show to find quiet. We found the quietest spot we could find. It was the top floor. We went to the very top of the back Orange County corner. Convention Center, back corner. They were prepping couch. the sound. You might have some background noise, work with us, but definitely worth staying because this was maybe one of the most fun I've ever had on the podcast in six years. Pretty special, I mean, it's, I mean, we started with Rick, and then Dr. Bob I'm Winters walks up. Halfway through, we go, we go, Doc, come on in. And at a certain point, I thought, you know, we're just sitting here listening to them talk at a certain point. And then Dr. Bob comes in, and him and Rick have been talking recently, too, and they wanted to get together. And then, like he just said, we just kind of just sat back and watched them go back and forth. It was was, was a Benjamin moment. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. This was a really special episode. You guys are going to smile while your mind is getting blown. That doesn't happen that often. It's fun. It's hilarious, but also like really profound, really amazing episode. So we'll stop yappering. We'll get you to this podcast. If you're out there wondering how you can get back on track and get off the struggle bus, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Back on the train, third time. That's right. Rick Sessinghouse. Pleasure to see you in person. Great to see you, guys. Sermon and I were debating. He's going to make fun of me in a bit because I've got kind of a a crazy analogy thing I want to workshop with you. Okay. But I kind of thought it'd be fun to start with this. We had this author on the show recently, and he used this uh, analogy about focus. (laughs) And he said, you can't actually try and focus harder. Like, oh, I need to focus. I need to focus. Like, it doesn't really help you focus. Mm. But if you remove distractions, it becomes easier to focus. Do you think flow is similar to that? Where you can't actually 
will yourself into flow, but you have to remove things in order to make it happen? To a point, I think when, when we look at a basic performance and we say potential, which I don't love that word, but potential minus interference is performance, right? So we are in essence trying to minimize interferences. Yeah. I think what we look at flow though is if an interference arises, instead of just saying, oh, I hope it's not there, it's do I have strategies to refocus on something that's relevant, right? So focus is what am I paying attention to is it relevant to this performance, right? I could be in a golf course and focus on a beautiful bird. That's nice, I'm focusing on that. That's irrelevant right now to this golf shot, okay? So what we pay attention to is where energy flows, right? So flow follows focus. We need to train focus. Along what you just said, trying harder we would never say that in flow training, right? right? It's understanding what is relevant and then we want to, in a way, lose ourselves in the present moment. I want to absorb myself. I'm now. I'm with that moment. Would be more of what flow is about. But forcing something, no. We look at triggers. Like if I had somebody on the golf course, and I've, I may have used this on a previous interview, where you're in the right rough underneath the tree limbs and stuff like that. Do you find yourself as focused better than I'm 80 yards in the middle of the fairway to a middle hole location? It's a golf shot. But the environment could also trigger focus. One's riskier. It's like, oh, I hit these great trouble shots. Why? Creativity and and there's risk and there's and that is actually elevating your focus, not necessarily trying harder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's ingredients you, to do that. You really only have one option. It almost forces the commitment because you don't. I mean, yes, you could have multiple options. Do I mm-hmm. pick out? Sure. Do I try and thread the needle? But usually when you make that choice in the trees, when the stakes are, I guess, higher for a double or a mistake, I think it helps you zero in more. Correct. Zero in, right, is focus, yeah. isn't it? Well, Rick, it's, what's interesting is though, how come we're always like, when we hit a bad shot, we had a bad stretch, we always say, I just lost focus. You know, you might say, well, if you got me to actually think about that, you were focused, just focused on the wrong things. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is that how are we going to define focus versus distraction? Distraction is just my attention on something that's irrelevant to the task at hand, right? So I have to understand what my task is. My task is to hit this pitch shot. What's relevant? The lie, the wind, how firm the green is, so on and so forth, right? Me thinking about a text that I have to run out later is irrelevant, so my focus has now changed. I also like the idea of like a, a, a light, right? We have a floodlight, spotlight, a flashlight, and a laser, right? They're different intensities and narrowed. Me just narrowing it down to flashlight doesn't mean I'm focused because I could have the flashlight on the wrong thing. So we have external, right? We have broad, narrow, we have, but where is the flashlight ultimately being delivered to is where we end up that attention. I think you've asked me before, because we joke, we're like, because Serm likes to like, he, he likes to give himself a little bit of a talking, you know, just like do it, <laughs> do what you say, what you're going to want to do. Right. And you've actually asked me before, why do we lose focus? Like, why is it so difficult? in the thing that you, we could literally tell ourselves to do something, literally five seconds before we do it, mm-hmm. and then over the shot, not do it. What do you think that is? Is it discipline? Um, well, I'm gonna ask, answer two different ways. I think focus is a skill. Skill needs to be developed and trained to make it more repeatable, okay? 
yet, as I was just explaining, I could be in a different... Say focus is a skill, by the way. So we have mindfulness, right? People, yeah. well, I'm going to mindfulness. Well, what's mindfulness? Am I supposed to do five minutes without having a thought? Of course not. Right. It's once the thought occurs, oh, that's interesting. My attention goes to the note, back to breath. How quickly can I be aware that my focus has been diverted? How quickly can I bring it back to the task? It might be breath. It might be a mantra. It might be what I'm going to look at. That's the superpowers, right? Yeah. You're going to get distracted, we'll say that, but how quickly you bring it back on task, that's the skill. I do that over and over and over again, and I refocus, I refocus. Then you can be aware when you're five seconds and you walk into it, and then your mind goes to something else. You're like, nope, refocus. That's the skill, right? right? Then what I just mentioned with like trouble shots, we'll call them, environment could certainly affect our ability to pay attention. We get that, right? I could have the same shot and in a practice round, that same exact shot tomorrow in a tournament, my first member guessed, oh my gosh, right? We, we have an external association. So I'm very much into perception as reality. What's the perception of this shot is going to trigger an emotion in me? Is this fear? Yeah. Is this flow? Now, of course, I'm into flow. Well, flow is looking at this as a challenge. Fear looks at it as a threat. Oh my gosh, I don't want to screw this up and people are watching. We become very self-conscious. Flow is like challenge. Take it on. I have to prepare. This is important to me. This is what I'm going to do. And we shift it enough, but that's the key element to, to begin with. So focus is a skill. How I perceive my environment will now trigger usually a different emotional response. Emotion will also now affect my focus, right? If I'm fear fearful, I'm looking for what could go wrong. Don't hit it over there. Oh my God. Now that filtering process is all off too. Yeah. And we haven't even got to what our body now is responding stressful yeah. to, to those situations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we've talked about this before, Rick. I mean, I've had rounds or just moments where we talk about you be in the trees, you really don't have a shot, you've got to punch out. And it's not the easiest punch out, but you're kind of going sideways. I can do that every time because I've already accepted the result. I might be in the middle of the fairway. I got 150, you know, a gettable flag, a whole location, but I just hit a bad shot and I say, well, I just had a brain fart there. I just lost it. And sometimes I think it's because I just, I don't know what, I don't know, I didn't accept anything. I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with the potential result. And it, it's just like the level of focus is stronger when you know that, you know, it's kind of over already as compared to uh, trying to hit it close. Interesting. I mean, like I said, we can go through a pre-shot routine and I'm supposed to do this and visualize and all that's great. Um, we're looking at even clarity of visualization. And I know I've said this on the other, another podcast is that we can say, hey, you should visualize. Why? Well, most people say, well, if I see success before it happens, that helps confidence. If I see with clarity, that helps focus, right? I know what to pay attention to because I'm seeing it happen beforehand. But I would go another layer. Can, is visualization a skill? Of course it is. I can kind of see the ball there or I can see it as a shot tracer or as I always say, I can see it as a pink shot tracer with glitter on it. And when the ball hits the green, it blows up into fireworks. You're going to remember that. So I've intensified the visualization, which now makes it real. And I'm going to react to what I want much better than, yeah, I'm going to kind of aim out there somewhere. Maybe it's the middle of the green. It's, a, it's a, not as engaged, right? Exactly. Right. So, but that's a skill for you to be aware of. How engaged am I on this shot? How focused am I? How clear is this visualization? How creative can I make this? How, how real can I make it before I step into it? So that's how I kind of look at it a little bit more. Talk about the patterns, negative patterns, because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know they're in them. And the longer you're in them, <laughs> right. the stronger they get. 
and they it could turn singular events into patterns into traumas and yips and all of these things right and i think it's interesting because last year i had the most at my disposal all of the concepts correct in my mind a clear intention and playing the greatest courses i've ever played but because of some personal stuff and not allowing myself to feel certain things because of what we do and like my own expectations of myself mm. i've been very honest on this podcast yeah. last year was like my worst year playing golf uh-huh. in regards to my performance and i think back to like one perfect example for you is i naturally am a push drawer so i naturally draw the ball and if i don't have great rhythm and lightness in the transition sure. and and tempo I can get into trouble real quick. Mm-hmm. And for a drawer, if I start seeing that, when I need to aim out there, then I notice my body stops and it goes like that. And when you have both extremes mm-hmm. happening at the same time, it's almost like an unconscious spiral that's a pattern where you're not consciously, to your point about reacting to the emotions, now i'm kind of in the spiral of it Mm -hmm. where i'm reacting and i'm just i know that i'm going through that because i'm meant to help people out of it that are going to go through it themselves because a lot of people it's not a i had this thought i did well i didn't have this thought and approach i didn't do well a lot of it's very unconscious right and so i feel like how can we help people where they just go to the course they feel like they blacked out they don't know what happened you leave something with more pressure, you go home, you hit it fine, right? Those are those times that I think drive people crazy and I think the biggest room for growth for people. So what do you think about those unconscious moments where it almost feels like it's in the body? Oh, there's no question, right? So we have unconscious triggers all over the place, right? It used to be, let's say I hit a really good quality iron shot, and this is back to me in college, and it was a six footer downhill left to right. Just viewing that triggered, Rick, you're not very good at downhill left or righters. I've been playing great, by the way. My mindset's great, but that triggers past results that I had not processed correctly. Thus, I don't like it. I take the putter, gosh, I never make these damn putts anyways. That emotion happened subconsciously from just react. It's a six foot putt for crying out loud. Right. Okay, what's the fear and what's the threat? It's because I've used these past memories to go, this reminds me of this. I did that poorly. I don't want to do that poorly again. And I'm going to, oh yeah, we get into some deep stuff, right? And then like you said, you almost feel it like it's already happened. And it's like, right? So that's part why processing those shots in the moment is important. I didn't say be positive, right? but processing it in the moment. So we go, huh? I missed that left to right or downhill. Did the ball start online? Was it speed? Did I read it correctly? Was my mindset right? And now I'm not saying it goes away and this is not about being super positive. This is about processing it to go so it doesn't have information, right? Being curious, I always talk about curiosity over critical voice. It's easy to be critical, judgmental. Curious, huh, I wonder why that occurred is a lot different than you are horrible, Rick, you did it again, I can't believe that, right? Right. And then that reinforces that memory reinforces that again to where I see it again. See, there I go again. Right. And now, we, like you said, there's a spiral for that situation. I think what you're also talking is once that has occurred, does that spiral to the next shot? 
the next shot. You gotta call timeout on yourself sometimes, right? Totally. <laughs> and we talk about being a caddy there. And uh, <laughs> you want to come, come on, on in? Come on in. Look at this. <laughs> Two of our great three-time guests <laughs> together. Yeah. 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 All right. Look at here. I tell you what. This is fun. This is, this we got two sports right? psychologists, two paid people. We got you know two couches, no waiters. <laughs> so, this is good. Yeah, rock and we, roll. Yeah, baby. we can really do We're something lucky. here. This is yeah. good. Awesome. Okay. I love it. Excellent. I love it. It's great to see you. Great to you know, see congratulations you. on all your success. Thank you. I, I couldn't be happier for you. Thank you. And we're just, you know, here spreading the, the gospel exactly. of just great, you know, great thoughts, great work. And these guys, what a great platform. I know. Unbelievable. I know. So and kudos to them. Wonderful. And it's great to be on this platform. To, and, and I haven't really thanked this guy here, but like Dr. Patrick Cohn was a huge mentor of mine. Yes. Seeing all your information when I was first starting off and go, hey, sure. These I say guys, but you know, you went through all the education, you put it on tour, you made it now accessible to people. Say, hey, this is a, a viable, yeah. you know, profession, right? right? And and then you know, I'm coming and doing the best I can. But this is this is awesome. Well, you know, it's it's wonderful to be you know some of the uh, early pioneers in exactly. the field of really taking applied sports psychology and making it you know applicable. That's why we call it applied. Make it available, applicable for everybody to use, so they can actually go out and have fun. And that's why I keep telling, you know, these two on the podcast is that, you know, fundamentals, the first three letters are fun. It's fun, duh, mental. You know, so, everybody, <laughs> so everybody keeps laughing about that. But, you know, you guys are He's bringing so many of these. Yeah, you guys are bringing joy to the game. Do you have a book of yeah. full of all of the, just on, a, a list? The win- Come on, yeah. get acronym, the winter's acronym, acronym book. The winter's rules. Of, uh, yeah. But, I, you know, I use acronyms all the time, oh, yeah. you know. So we always talk about, you know, playing golf. And, you know, and, and so I'm just really glad for you to hear because what we're trying to do with golf is to get people play golf. Now, what those two words mean is that you perform like a youth to gravitate to an optimum level of functioning. So when you perform like a youth, you're playing very innocently. You're playing with almost this thing we call reckless abandon Uh, but you're trying to gravitate to this optimum level that you're talking about in your flow code and your flow state I talk about it being in the no zone knowing what you know then giving yourself permission to go to go play so hey I don't mean to interrupt what's going on what are we we talking about yeah go ahead I was gonna say a quick thing on that so so we talk about flow states right so now we can research and and it's interesting and like to get your feedback kind of from the age of zero to eight youth is already in a flow state most of the time they are playful creative they're putting together legos they're playing and there's no judgment right and then as they get older we adults tell them that's not good this is bad and hey you got to win and then they go oh this really matters and stuff like that so back to the youth back to play you know that's what to me being in the moment is is like i'm enjoying being in this moment and there's nothing about it that's attached to anything else so you know that play part of it is so crucial i'm going to go back and tell a personal story when i was younger i grew up in a little town of walton indiana and we had 15 different boys my age you know around that age and we would play things like army or we you know play tag or, or whatever football and I remember we were downstairs in my house and we were playing army you know and then my mom was up and my mom was upstairs right and she was you know yell downstairs in the basement she goes Bobby I said hold on hold on you know mom's you know talking you know hang on yes ma'am. she goes hey, are you what are you guys doing I said we're playing play what we're playing army she goes are you guys having fun 
I'm sitting around like a Yeah. I mean, the whole point of it is if you have to ask, are you having fun? And so we did that a couple more times. And, and I finally looked, you know, after she interfered, you know, a couple of times for, with our level of flow, our level of just playing. You know, I said, hey, is anybody, who, whose else house can we go to? Because we're getting interrupted. And that's exactly what happens as we get older. We are taught, you know, you're supposed to have fun. This is supposed to be fun. And the committee of them says this is the way it's supposed mm. to be. And then we make fun. We make it some type of official sanctioned activity that it has to be this way. And who says it has to be that way? Yeah. And that's why, you know, being childlike and being free is, is really being, you know, the optimum amount of, of play. That's Love what it. really play means. All right, guys, stay seated. Keep those seatbelts fastened. We're going to get this train back on track in a second. But first, we're doing this one live at the PJ Show. Serm and I are together, and we just wanted to hop on here and share how much we enjoyed using our Red Rooster golf clubs today. It's the first time we used them together. We're both using the, the Boilermaker. Yeah, how about that for the ads? I mean, the Boilermaker glove is the white glove with kind of this gold and black classic patch design. And what did you think about the Range Rooster glove? This is the first time you got to feel it and try it. Yeah, I loved it. You've been using it a lot, especially for long yeah. practice sessions. But you can use it before the before the round anyways, right? If, yeah. Especially if you want to preserve your gloves. I mean, the Red Rooster gloves last really well, but and that's what's so great about it, the durability. But man, this, the Range Rooster is, the real, it was so stretchy, so elastic, and it doesn't rip, right? Ed? Right, that's the I thing mean, that people don't realize. They really built this glove some people might be thinking, well, look, I'm not a pro, I'm a 15 handicap, why do I need a glove for the range? It's not necessarily that you need a glove for the range, it's to preserve and make your other gloves last longer so you don't have to keep buying gloves. Yeah, that's the thing. So go to redroostergolf.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 20% off, you won't be disappointed. Also, don't forget about the subscription. A lot of people don't get a glove when they need it. It's actually really nice to just get it, forget you were even expecting it, and keep yourself up on good, solid, new gloves. It's going to save you so. money, not going to have to scramble, and it's just a quality product. We're huge believers in Red Rooster. Yeah. And, uh, Best performing glove per my golf spy. So yeah. redroostergolf.com, enter the code TRAIN, 20% off. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the show. Teaching juniors out there, we have all the access to the information now, and all the coaches, and more than... It's always the, always the next generation, but how do you how do you keep a junior to continue to be a junior? You know, like when you go from that grade school to high school in a time where there's a coach for everything. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's back to playing games. Like, like even to this day, if I'm with Colin, we want to compete. We want to try new things. We want to, you know, uh, and then there'll be competitions and practice rounds as his caddy say, hey, try to this, get up and down, right? We're challenging somebody and, and pushing them a little bit to a new way. But I think the creativity is something that we're trying to keep saying, hey, how could you, for him, like, how can you hit a different uh, floor in this building? Four, one, four. You're being creative. You're challenging yourself. And it gets back to that childlike. Oh, absolutely. I think... Uh Tiger and Stevie Williams years ago, they would actually have that little game about being pin high. And so they'd say, okay, if I make this pin high, you pay me so much or I owe you so much. I mean, that's sort of a, an anecdotal story. I don't know if it's really true, but it makes sense because a lot of players say, listen, let's just play for an extra five or $10 here on the side. 
here they are playing for hundreds of thousands <laughs> and millions, but now, you know, that little $5, $10 little bet, that ego bet, I want, I want to beat this guy, yeah. adds sort of that, you know, element of fun to it. And I think that's the big thing is that where do we learn the fear? And I think we learn it as we go in, in school where you, you knew the question and you raised your hand and then the teacher would say, you know, who's the first president of the United States? You'd say George Washington. And they go, that's great. And then they say, who's the second president? And you'd raise your hand and you'd go, Thomas Jefferson. And they go, no, that's wrong. And everybody goes, stupid, you're a loser. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and all of a sudden, next time they ask the question, yeah. and that's where the fear you know, really starts. And the same thing in golf, especially on a two or three foot putt. You miss that two or three foot putt. That first time you hear, <gasps> you're looking around yeah. like, it's just a miss. But then, you know, the emotional baggage that comes with that miss. And I've had players say, oh, I miss it twice. I miss it first in my head. I hear the, oh, and then the second I hear the people go, ah. Oh. And, then, and then after that, you miss enough of those. And a lot of people are sitting there going, yip, 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 yip. <laughs> you know, and that's where it becomes, you know, and they start sticking the needle in. You know, you're sitting there going, yeah. And most people, a lot of people have fun. You guys talk about having fun. A lot of people have fun on the golf course sticking the needle oh, in totally. other people and they just go you need to go see you know rick you need to see you know bob you need to see those guys you need a sports psychologist right so there's always going to be you know room for us at the table oh, because yeah. the game is so exhausting and it's so tough and right. it's so uh emotionally exhausting it really yeah. takes a lot out of you because people love it. I'm right. Sorry. But no, no, no. I was saying along those lines is I think a lot of people, when they're, they want to hire someone like ourselves, they're looking at it from a problem and fix. And yes. I don't look at it that way, right? I look at no. it's a skill set and I want to optimize something and I want to maybe it's bring joy back to something that's already been there, right? But I think it, it, at least it used to be more of like, oh, I'm going to go see a sports side because I got to fix something. So, no, no, no. We're developing a skill set and maybe in this environment we need a little bit more skill, like we're saying training a certain thing, focus or something like that. And oh, in this environment, the best of myself is not coming out. So I need some strategies for that. But yeah. to get from this level to this level is not about fixing anything. It's about optimizing and training and learning new things. That's where I think a shift. Well, I think it is because we've gone from, you know, a problem solving or you know, fixing, oh, your head's not on right, yes. to now we are enhancing, we are making you better. And I've never had anybody, you know, call me up in the middle of the night and say, Dr. Bob, um, listen, uh, can you help me become the most mediocre player on tour? Because uh, I, I, I don't feel any nerves. I'm at the end, you know, of the field. Nobody's watching me. I feel very average. Can you help me become the most mediocre player in the world? I've never gotten that. You know, when people call me, they say, I want to become great. I, I'm looking for greatness. And that's mm -hmm. the psychology of just freeing it up and just finding out how good you can yeah. be. And that's the challenge that you and I have. Because we have to be psychological detectives. We have to peel the onion so we can get to that psychological core. And when we do that, that it, it, it's magic. We become the wizards. We, we become Gandalfs right, out right. there. And we have a whole bunch of Bilbo Baggins who are on this unexpected journey to greatness. It, it, not to take over the interview, oh, but please, I want to ask him is about back to this core thing about like, you know, some people are more open to the deeper layers, right? We were briefly talking a little bit about the, kind of that, gosh, I didn't play as well and I feel it in here, yeah. right? Is, is one of our, I think, skills for us as coaches is asking the proper questions. People are going to be vulnerable. Oh, absolutely. Right? And then how deep do they want to go down to get maybe the, hmm, I don't want to say the right answer because that's, 
because we can get it at a high level, we can help them. Right. But when they can be vulnerable and answer it like, this is really what's happened, this is what I'm feeling, I want to make my, my dad happy. It's like, when they get to that level is, I think, more of a breakthrough. Yeah, but absolutely. it's a challenge to get them to that, isn't it? It is. And I got to tell you, I want to add that. That's so important. It's just a great point you make is that I've had, you know, players over the years and thousands of players over the years go, here's really what's going on. And then at the, almost at the end of the day, I mean, like five, ten minutes to go before we leave, they go, listen, I know I said this, but here's how I really feel. Because you have to build this trust alliance, this working alliance, and, and, and players don't really like to reveal their, I don't want to say their softness, but their vulnerability. And when they realize you've made it a safe haven for them and they can trust you, that's when you really now have developed this trust connection. And when you have that, like you have with Colin and so many of your other players, and I have with mine, is that they treasure that because I have players I've been working with for gosh, 15, almost 20 years right. now. And it isn't anything new. It's just they're changing their, their philosophy a little bit. Their life changes. They have families now. And so now when they say, when we used to talk about going out and playing for yourself, it takes on a whole new meaning for me. So I think that's a big, big part mm -hmm. of this mm -hmm. is really just sort of pulling back all the layers and getting to that psychological core. And then at the end of the day, you go, we have made a breakthrough. That is great. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, the most rewarding thing for me to really get through to a player that a lot of people go, uh, you know, he or she's a head case. You, you won't be able to get through to them. And I welcome the tough clients because they are the ones that make you better. Do you guys think that we talked about play? Do you think playfulness is the opposite of what most amateur players play in when they're in dread and fear? Is is play the alternative? And a, and a follow-up question to that is, is there an inter intermediate step to get to play? Because we know sometimes you can't go from sad to joyful. Sometimes you just have to get to a place that's a little less sad. Is there an intermediate step to play if you think that is the opposite? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if I'm going to put play as the opposite of fear. Uh, I think even the mindset I'm going to be playful yep. can take me from fear, what we call fear to flow, right? I'm going to, if fear to me is, is self-critical, conscious, um, uh, attached to outcome, those type of things. Flow is fully immersed in the moment and I would probably be playing, right, in that moment. I'm playing, there's no link to what could happen or what people are thinking, right? So I'm looking at it as, as a tool, yeah. right? Um, along this continuum, right? I don't believe it's just fear and flow. I think there's a continuum along the way of all these different emotions yeah. we're going through. Yeah. And like you said, like I used to be a frustrated golfer on the golf course. Now I've repositioned it to say, hey, I'm gonna allow myself to be disappointed on the golf course. That's a more manageable emotion for me to deal with than frustration. Mm. I'm still allowing myself to feel that and to experience it, but now I used to be a guy slamming the clubs like the Hulk and just smash and yeah. Now I'm saying, I'm disappointed with that. Come on, Rick, you can, hey, what can I learn from that, right? And then I turn it into curiosity. So I, I know I kind of went sideways on the play thing, but I think we're ultimately playing golf, right? Absolutely, like, and I think, you know, with play, when people talk about play, they think it's about something very light, very optimistic, very fun-filled. 
But for me, it's like the old Jethro Toll album, A Passion Play. Mm. I think people play with passion, and that's where the intensity comes in. And that's where intensity and the attention, intention, you know, come together to create a very focused type of fun. It's, it's fun, but it's, you know, fun with passion. Mm -hmm. And when you take the passion away, that's when, you know, the tour players or players who have played for a long time go, just not having any fun out there. It's, that doesn't seem the joyful. I don't know. And the passion seems to have stagnated. It's not stale, but it's just not the same. And so what we're trying to do is find the joy. We're trying to find, like in the movie City Slickers, he said, go out west, find your smile. <laughs> Sir, in, in the movie, I mean, everybody knows, knows City Slickers. They haven't seen City Slickers. It's a great, it's a great golf psychology movie. She, he goes out to the West and he finds a smile. And he comes back home, you know, to the hustle bustle of New York City. He looks at his wife. It was a movie with Billy Crystal. And she goes, well, how are we? And he looks, he goes, look, I, uh, you know, I, I went out West to find it. And I think that's really what we do. We help people find the joy, the passion, the smile. In, in golf, and it's it's and it's difficult to do sometimes because most people are mm, and they yeah. want to have a pity party yeah. and they want to feel bad. All right, and uh, and it's funny when you hand out all the pity party cards, you say I'm disappointed, I'm disappointed. If you have your own personal pity party, it's like pity party, party of one, right over here. Okay, right here. Yeah, and so and so that's what you have to do. You have to be able to let that stuff go, right? You know, see, this is so much fun. I mean, everybody coming in, you know, for us to be here. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, it's just this is the whole point. This is the whole point of teaching, coaching, uh, learning. Just, I mean, those who dare to teach must never cease to learn. And we're just learning. We're learning from each other. And I'm sitting here just absorbing everything you know that Rick's saying, and I'm sort of kind of you know, putting it in my head, you know. And it's well, that's, that's why that's how you share ideas. The last time you came on the show, you said you talked about how important it is to still play because anyone can yes. coach. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, yeah, but yeah, like maintaining oh, the yes. play and having those battles with yourself to bring <laughs> and continually learn so that right. you can share those as a coach is right. really important, I am, right? right? So I play once a month, maybe, and I get to play really nice golf courses, great people, right? You know, yeah. yeah. I'm always a better coach the week after I play because it's easy for, hey, just do this, and, blah, 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 blah. and then yeah. I go out there and this, this little voice is saying this, and oh my gosh, you haven't played well, and it's like, ooh, time out, let's use the stuff I'm talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I'm for mad, but disappointed. Right? right. I'm talking about what you're working on in your post-shot routine. Exactly. Is, yeah. It's crucial for all of us every time we play. Right. <laughs> and so now, when I see the ball go and I want to get disappointed, I'm going to go, oh, Dr. Winters is going to be a, give me the pity party card. I can't have that happen. So, you know, that I'm anchoring that, the trigger, like, oh, I can't, he can't give me that pity party. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, you hand out all these invitations that come to my pity party, and nobody comes to your pity party. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a party of one. You know, and it's funny because I've always said, I think that the thing that separates, you know, you and myself from, you know, a lot of these other people who sort of talk the talk, but do they walk the walk? And that's been a really big thing for me. And I became Dr. Winters, not based on all my research, but on my me-search. I was mm. looking for information to yeah. help me as, as a professional player. And, and so I've always said, if I can't help somebody, and, and first and foremost, if I couldn't help myself, how can I ever expect to help somebody else? Because I am the ultimate acid test out there. 
I mean, if it works for me, I know I can help you. Seriously, because yeah. I'm a very, uh, I think, dramatic, passionate person, uh, very intense. And, and when I play golf, I play to win. I don't mean winning uh, like, oh, hey, I won, you know, mm, the British Open trophy. Right. I just isn't that. It's, it's the quality of effort I put in when I go to play. And if I do that and I, I play to win, you know, I, I have done a great job. But I refuse to lose. I refuse to have myself or my students mm -hmm. put in a uh, whatever apathetic effort. That for me is just, you know, you, you can't have somebody just going through the motions. And that's the whole problem of the game, mm -hmm. as you know, mm -hmm. is the routinization. You know, same shot, different day, same shot, different day. It isn't. Every shot is special. Every shot is created. And that, you know, we have to, you know, to relish that moment. I've got a chance to be almost godlike to create mm, this love shot. It, love it. And so when I step into this ball, boom, this is what I see. This is what I feel. This is what I create. And when I step in there and hit that shot, okay, it wasn't, you know, what I totally expected. I gave it a great effort and I have to be able to live with that, accept that, and then I have to be able to release that and then move on. Go ahead. You said a lot of that, okay? Part of yes. it, like I hear the word acceptance, right, which is, is, is I believe, again, a skill, right, right. to know what that is. Um, we get attached to outcome. I have to, I say have to, but accept it happened, right? I can't necessarily change it. We don't have mulligans in certain tournaments, right? And so that acceptance, I find, is, is a very challenging thing to coach mm. because people's self-esteem, their self-image, their identity is wrapped into that outcome. That outcome was not what I wanted. Thus, I am, and then they fill in the blank. Some could be all the way to failure. Some could be, hey, that's part of golf. And that's why I was always fascinated with the perception of what just happened to me is your reality. Yes. How do you... How do you coach acceptance to me that one's a challenging one so i would love to hear this yeah one. please well i think we have to get back to the whole notion of patience what patience is patience is the capacity to tolerate frustration uh missed expectations i like getting, tolerate yeah. not accept yeah, yeah. Or identify with. with. We have to understand that acceptance isn't acquiescence. We're not saying, okay, all right, you know, I miss it. <laughs> no, we're not saying, I'm, I'm saying, if you have to accept it, you don't have to like it. All right. right. Exactly. You don't have to exactly. like it. You don't have to acquiesce to, oh, I just hit a couple out of bounds. <laughs> okay, bing. that isn't what we're saying here at all. But we're saying that patience is hanging in there. Patience is confidence waiting to happen. And then what that means is if I actually, you know, stay in there and hang on and say, I'm doing the right stuff, this is what I do, and I know what I know, and if I, you know, keep making plays, keep making plays, and keep hitting good shots, boom, good things are going to happen. And, and if you listen to Kobe Bryant, Deion Sanders, and all of these, you know, great you know, basketball players, football players, they're going to tell you the same thing. In order to become great, You've got to get through, you know, the, the yuck. You've got to get through the suck. You've got to get through all that stuff so that you can allow, you know, this, this flower to bloom. Mm. Because it, it takes a lot of fertilizer, you know, to actually to make these things bloom. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick stop. Keep your seatbelts fast and stay seated, and then we'll get you right back on track and back to the show. I got a question for you. Do you want to stay sharp? Do you want to keep getting out of your way? Do you want to keep your mental game at tip-top shape? Well, this was a long-awaited ask for many of you, but we're finally doing it. It's called Train of Thought, our new email newsletter. Just launched. 
And if you want to get one nugget, one insight or thought that we're pondering every week that could keep your game sharp and help your mental game, all you got to do is go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to the Train of Thought newsletter today. We're only going to email you once a week, likely going to be Monday morning, start your week off right, never going to spam you. And guess what? You're going to get early access to all of our merchandise drops. We're going to launch it first, email subscribers, and then we'll launch it on social media, et cetera. So go to thepartrain.com, scroll down, you'll see a little spot to put your email in. Just drop that email in and you hop aboard the Train of Thought newsletter. All right, let's get back to the show. You guys are going to laugh. Sir Max is going to make fun of me, but I want to workshop it with you for a second, okay? <laughs> so I, I was thinking about this last night because this is just all I think about. And I was like, what if golf for a lot of people is like a car crash? Stay with me. Okay. When you're spinning out of control, let's say you hit a piece of ice or there's a ton of rain. I'm very intrigued by how so many things in life and golf are counterintuitive to our automatic response in order to be good. So my example with the car is the automatic response is to fight it, get it back on the road. You're actually turning against where you're skidding off. But what do all the people say? In order to sustain the skid off the road, you have to turn in the direction you're skidding, right? And I feel like in so many cases in golf and in life, we push against that danger. We are, we are fighting the danger. It's very counterintuitive to turn where you're veering off. But in so many cases, if I'm really uncomfortable mm. about completing a swing, that creates tentativeness. I don't, cre- I don't complete my swing and it exacerbates all of my issues. So I'm just curious if in those moments of embracing the suck, do we have to lean in the exact direction we're trying to avoid? Is the avoidance actually a clue of where we need to go? Does that make sense? I think everything happens so fast in a car crash. It's like being in a life or death situation and someone you know, puts you know, a gun in front of your face. And then you hear people say, well, if this happened to me, this is what I would do. And in those high stress situations, I don't think you really know what you would do unless you have actually been in that situation before. And so I grew up, you know, driving on ice and I was one of those that actually, you know, tried to control. And that's the first thing we do when we get into some type of stress. We try to grab you know, right. the wheel. We grab the golf club really hard. We try to over control, manipulate and steer. And we do this. And it's only when you've actually put your car in the ditch a couple of times that you do, you realize that, oh, okay, here we go. But, you know, it happens so fast. I think that's what happens in golf. You know, you, you hit a shot and you're almost in shock, really, mm. for what happened. And you're sitting there going, what, what happened there? And then you go back and you replay that and you go, well, that feels pretty good. But in that moment in time, right there, in that 1.1 second of actual golf swing, well, it's really hard to sort of micromanage yourself and, you know, self-correct and this is what I need to be doing, right? And that's why I've always said you've got to be able to, you know, before you even step into the ball, to know exactly what you want to do. So what we call this, it's called transient hypofrontality. All of this energy from the front part of the brain, the executive you know, decider, can actually now 
create harmony with the rest of the brain so your body can now swing automatically. And so these are all learned skills and, and what you know we're doing here hopefully is helping literally hundreds of thousands of people understand is that you have to put yourself in those positions enough in practice and in rehearsal and to make it as game-like and say okay you know I, I get tight what am I going to do here what's my intervention strategy going to be and you can you know just add on to this but I like for them to even pre-stretch themselves out in the pre-rehearsal because I know that they may get a little short here but we've got to actually have one cue I'm going to finish and I'm going to finish high we want to begin with the end in mind I want to be able to say okay I want to finish and I want to finish here and you have to actually preset and, and prime that here. So when you step in, this is all I'm doing. I'm just swinging to a high finish. Mm -hmm. But that's how you know I do it. I'm sorry, I don't mean to digress. Well, yeah, real, really quick, because that's a perfect example of, I noticed when I see it both ways and I feel that in my body, I noticed my body stops and I get really tight. And ironically, the only thing that helps me hit good shots again is feeling like I let it go through impact. But in that situation, with that emotional response, it feels like the last thing that you can do. Because mm -hmm. all you're thinking of, it's, it's gonna produce another right, because it's, it's opening the face. But ironically, by holding on, it's not allowing the club to transition at all. So that's the, been a the, huge the, challenge. That trust, and like I said, this is a skill set. You have an intention, end in mind, and I could stretch it, I could have a cue or something like that. You do it enough times in a, a basic practice and you add a little more, you can now trust that that is gonna get, at least get you in, more in the right direction, right? right. I didn't ever say there's any guarantees, right? You do this and you're gonna guarantee. It's like, no, but that is a heck of a lot better than going, oh crap, don't go right, you know? Right. And, and right. so, but be able to train the skill here, 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 here. And then when you're out there, you trust. I know that's a big word, everybody. Might as well, right? <laughs> My other option is probably not pretty good. <laughs> Just being comfortable with realizing and thinking, this is where I want it to go. Because we always know where we don't want it to go. But get, getting to that moment before we pull the trigger, that's where we want it to go. Well, well here's, the, here's the last thing, you know, I really want to add to this, is that people go two ways they think what if what what if this you know goes wrong what if you know the shot goes bad and it could go anywhere i mean you know your mind you wants to go anywhere what you have to be able to is bring it is what is what is going on right now what's my task what's my target and stay absolutely singular focused on doing this and you have to develop a philosophy you know a long-term philosophy that's what you know, Dr. Rick and I do. We help players develop a philosophy, but this is what I'm gonna do, and when I step into the ball, I'm gonna give myself total trust. Because trust, you know, in a motor learning concept means letting go of trying, letting go of steering, letting go of manipulating. So you have to let go of the trying and get into the doing and the being at that moment in time. And when you do that, it isn't what if, what if, because what if dissolves because you are focused on what is. Love it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, what's the last thing before we actually get off the air here? Where do you want Rick and I to send the invoices, you know, for this? You know? <laughs> 
mean, I'm just not, not sure, but I think I want to make sure this, you know, we get that we got, can go ahead. Venmo, right? That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could, yeah, put it on a PayPal, Venmo, or whatever. We'll just do you know, let's say, and that's the whole great thing. And I and I appreciate, you know, just you guys, you know, letting me come on here, you know. Oh, this Rick, is awesome. I'll tell you what, he is, he is in fuego. He's just doing some great, great stuff. And uh, uh, I'm just glad to be here to be your... Uh, Color commentator. Oh, no, no. It's, but like we talked about, we're always learning, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I learned from him early on many things. The, the, the skill of it, the communication, seeing him uh, communicate and giving uh, golf clinics. and That's a skill too, right? We have to get the information out there in a viable way that people are going to understand, right? So it's, it's that, that where I've learned so much from him and, and predecessors. And then I put my own spin on it. And we all put our own spin on it. Right. And with the, the goal of helping people play better golf but enjoying it right it, absolutely come on you know and, and yeah. that's what i love what you guys do is you have that with with all the stuff on social the fun part of this and hey and almost shaking people's up of like are you really looking at the game like this or like this would you want to look at it like this and that's what i appreciate with your guys's post is you're like saying hey this is golf i know it's important for you a lot but because it's important, why don't we do the things that are going to help us be present, do those type of things? And this is funny because Saturday Night Live, they have what, that five-time club or whatever, and that's oh, six right. times, yeah, yeah. seven times. So this is my fourth time here on these guys. And my third time. Yeah, and, 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 we, and, we, and, we need, and we need to get like that seven-time, the seven-time member club where we get jackets. our own blazers. We get our own jackets. I have got the blazers. We yeah, can yeah. get some blazers. Yeah, we get the par train blazers. I think, you know. Gold jacket. What color would you like? I'm trying well, to you said gold, and that just like that got into my head. Gold, yeah. You're still thinking about the, still thinking about the invoice. No, but, yeah. no I, I, I've never you know, said about a green jacket, but I think the par train would be like a red jacket. You know, oh. a red jacket, a red jacket, because red the red jacket. is the you know the final car. Okay, it's the caboose, and for me, you know, the caboose means hey, this is really where you know it begins and ends right here. This is, you know, this is the good stuff, and so you have to stop and think about the mental, physical, emotional game because action follows thought. So red blazers, fellas, would Ooh, be great. I like it. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you guys both. I know we're getting, we probably got some background background noise. There's some happy hour stuff coming, so we're going to finish out. Um, but thank you guys both for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure, guys. Fantastic. Too good. Great stuff. Great stuff. Hey, guys. This is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to The Train of Thought newsletter today really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.